Welcome to the Cannabis Data Science Meetup Group. Awesome to have you all here today. So definitely going to be pushing the frontier. So essentially, just to jump into what's happening. So you know, a lot of the times here we're kind of pioneers, and so it can get, seem kind of a little quiet out on the frontier. But it's kind of interesting to see, you know, other great minds follow in, you know, some of the uh, some of the turf that we've tread. So, long story short, is some of the big names now are pushing for public lab results. So, in particular, MCR Labs in Massachusetts. They just called for transparent lab results. And our good member Cheryl mentioned that, well, ultimately these quality control tests are for consumer safety. So under that rationale, it does make sense for consumers to have access to these data points. And to a certain extent they do, certain states are quite good about at least having laws in place to allow consumers to access the data. So for example, Washington State, and I believe two other states, you're allowed as a consumer, not only allowed, but if you ask for a certificate of analysis, the retailer should be able to provide that. So that's a start. Um, and that's enough. Um, so that's sort of the analytics philosophy is instead of just complain, we'll take with what, we'll work with what we're given and what we're given are certificate of analyses. And so we can go about parsing those. So at the moment, we've been working with PDFs. We've got optical character recognition working. So we can handle images. Well, PDFs saved as images, which is a step. Um, a step in the direction of just being able to take a picture of a COA and get all the data from it, similar to how you can take a picture of a check and your bank can use optical character recognition and get all the digits from the check. So the certificate is actually a little bit more complex than your typical check. Um, so it's not uncommon for us to wrangle um, a whole megabyte of data from a single certificate. Um, question? Yes, I had a question. When you say we, do you mean you and Candace? Well, principally, so just published the latest version of Canlytics, the PyPy. So this is an open source tool. So technically anyone who's got the, I guess the ambition to try to get everything installed on their computer can have at it. So actually, so exactly. So at the moment there's no standard COA. So in fact, one of the tools we'll talk about today is, well, I guess it's more of a platform, but there's, Hugging Face, and they've got various data sets and statistical models there. And optical character recognition is a hot topic. And so there's tools to, that proclaim to say, 
upload any generic invoice and it will return return you the invoice amount. There are some tools that basically let you query documents. So that's the sort of the, the rage in, I guess you would call it statistical AI models or just statistical slash AI models, which is just pose a question and then have the model return you an answer. And so, so that's, I haven't played around with them too much, but the idea is upload a PDF, pose a question, and you can get some results back. So we could potentially try to use these tools to say, upload a certificate and ask what's the total THC. So that may actually work to a certain extent. We're just trying to parse every single data point though with ideally 100% accuracy or at least close to it. So at the moment we've written custom algorithms for each lab or lens. Of course, the downside is that that's not you know scalable for a single person. And that's why perhaps the open source model may solve this. Because the idea is right, the COA doc is an open source tool. And so, for example, we're trying to think of ways to monetize it in California. And so that's given me the incentive to write some algorithms. So I've written algorithms to parse COAs from some of the top labs in California, as well as the top limbs in the country. So a well-known name in the cannabis space is Confident Cannabis. They're a laboratory information management system provider, one of the first, and I don't know their market share, but out of this, you know, we haven't exactly seen a random sample, but of the sample we've seen, they do have a large market share, perhaps 30 to 80% of all COAs, but I mean, that's just a, an early estimate. Um, so we can parse COAs from them. And then, and then the idea is, well, so for example, if you're on the Slack channel, and if you're not, I can get you an invite. Candace and I have been trying to expand to other states and actually Hector as well. So I want to give big props to Hector. Hector's found some, some public COAs, one for Nevada. Once again, I don't necessarily have the business incentive yet to pursue the one in Nevada, in Nevada. maybe one Sunday afternoon if I'm bored, but maybe one of you can maybe find a retailer in Nevada that needs these COAs parsed work out a monetary arrangement, say, hey, I'll parse your COAs. And then if you want to open source the tool, then awesome. You don't have to, right? Uh, you can just keep everything private on your local machine. Um, but I mean, you've heard me go on before that it's kind of passive, but I do think open sourcing your code ultimately uh, leads to a win-win future. Okay, but anywho, Pooja, question. Yeah, I just wanted to understand a little bit more about why labs would be interested in parsing COAs quickly and maybe what they're doing right now that's frustrating them. Good question. So in fact, well, let's put everyone on the spot, right? So for example, last week, and I mean, part of it, it's like 
some random person is sending me an email. Why should I pay any attention to them? But I sent, you know, all the labs in Washington State an email saying, hey, you know, people would love access to your data. You know, would you want to, you know, start a conversation to, you know, how, you know, consumers could easily access these lab results? You know, for example, MCR Labs, you know, publishes theirs. SC Labs publishes theirs. And so one of the labs got back to me and said, yeah, yeah, you know, we, we would love to, uh, to talk about this. Um, and then uh, I forget if there's 10 labs or 12 labs, but uh, one lab was, was quite defensive about it. Um, and essentially they, they were saying, well, you know, you can access all the, the past lab, like all the, the tests that pass at the retailer well it's well then that's just um that wasn't really the reason i contacted them in the first place but then the question arises well what about all the failed lab results um because technically you know those you know should be in the public too right so i think mcr labs publishes their failed not certain but i think so and the idea is right uh, I mean, you'd hate to see a, you know, a processor, you know, fail. I mean, this is a, an extreme example, but, you know, what if they failed 99 samples and then they passed one and got it on the shelf? Um, so not, not saying that's happening, but my foot, and this was kind of raised by uh, the person, the scientist at MCR Labs is, and this actually happened in a private conversation, um, but I can repeat the point here, is that some of the quote unquote, you know, funny business may sort of arise because people don't think these lab results are ever going to see the light of day. So they say, well, no one's ever going to check. So, you know, maybe I can cut some corners or, or you know, who knows? Um, and so it's sort of the the sort of the panopticon idea where if you know someone can look at the data, they don't know who's looking at the data, right? Maybe nobody's looking at the data, maybe thousands of or maybe dozens of you know these awesome cannabis data scientists here are looking at the data. So just having somebody look at the data would provide an incentive to you know not do any funny business because you know, who knows how you're going to get, you know, someone's going to look at it. Um, okay, so, so you're, you're basically saying the labs would want their COAs parsed and that information available for the sake of visibility for consumers. Well, MCR Labs does because, well, I don't know, I can't, I can't read their minds, but I would hypothesize they're in it for the long the long haul. So they're probably playing a long-term strategy um, and they're just banking on, we've got superior methods, we've got superior scientists, so we, we can show our work. Um, maybe that's it. Another aspect here is- Can I make a you know, point Who's the, the client of the laboratory? Yes, I'm not. Oh, yeah, please, this is, a, this is a discussion. So before I rant on, please jump in, John. So it's not just the labs that we're thinking are the targets. Um, retail, we know because we have a situation where 
we have a retailer with a corpus of COAs, and we're trying to put structure in their inventory and make decisions about how to tier their products and how to select various classes, et cetera. So we think the um, the retail, uh, you know, store by store or network of retailer by network of retailer is a logical target for this approach. And then um, the processors in general. And one of the, the opportunities that we have here is to parse a large data set that came from uh, Raw Gardens, Central Coast, California, and through there, 2,600. I think hardly take a stab at looking at it, which is what we're doing. But I think it goes beyond labs. I think that also, as I said, retail and um, the uh, processor uh, producer community as well. Got it. That makes sense. And for the retailers, I guess right now, they'll just manually have to like look at the COA and then label their product as such. And they're pretty bad at it as we're finding. We're working very closely with a retailer in San Francisco called Floor, um, which is F-L-O-R-E, which is that um, I consider it ground zero of the, um, you know, the evolution of the industry, um, which is, you know, they're on Market Street in the Castro, kind of where it all got started. And um, they're buying into our, our idea of tiered pricing and various product categories and all that. But they say, here, here's our corpus of COAs, and you know they'll hand enter it, but it's kind of a mess. And so um, we think that this is a real good opportunity. That makes sense. Thanks for explaining. Just to piggyback on that, I got a bit of lag, so bear with me. But essentially, like John's hit on, there's a lot of people that value the data. And I think that's sort of where maybe the, maybe why the bottle, right? So originally I thought, you know, the large amount of value may be the reason why we should, you know, try to get rid of some of these bottlenecks. But essentially what I'm sort of getting to is, you know, some of the bottlenecks may be because the data is so valuable. So for example, you know, the, I think the laboratories recognize that, hey, there is value to this data. And I don't know if they're necessarily monetizing it. Um, and so that's why, I mean, not to be mean or anything, but it, it kind of feels like a, like, a, like a hoarding gold situation where, you know, the, the laboratories, they're, they're making money from selling services, right? So they get paid to actually perform the laboratory test. And then I think they would also like to essentially hang on to the data because I think they foresee that, oh, you know, maybe we can monetize this data in the future. From my experience, I've never seen, or maybe they are, but I've never seen a lab successfully monetize their lab result data. Um, maybe that's just because uh, I haven't been creative enough yet or, or like I said, I think their their bulk of their time is spent testing. So, you know, at the moment they're holding on to the data, and then the next bottleneck, right? The producers, processors, they get their data, and once again, they don't want necessarily to 
release their data because this is valuable to them, right? So for example, a cultivator may have prized data on terpenes, right? They may be doing what's called a pheno hunt where they're basically trying to find a chemovar, so a specific plant variety that produces a specific chemical profile. And so that could be valuable data to them, and they may not want their competitors to know what they're growing. Um, and I think the retailers have the, the most incentive to make their lab results public because they're dealing to consumers. So they kind of want to advertise their products. So I think the retailers are the ones who actually have the best incentive to provide this data to consumers. So that's kind of what we pinpointed on is, okay, like John said, you know, maybe we can work with Floor, a, a dispensary in San Francisco, because they want to get this data to consumers. And then large distributors, say Raw Garden, also in California, they may be interested in getting this data to consumers to sell their products. So I think the, the consumer facing mechanisms are going to be the easiest way to collect data. So originally I thought, oh, you know, we'll just go pipe data straight from the source. I mean, that's what I would love to do, right? I would love to work with laboratories, integrate in with perhaps they have an API, just go straight to the source. And maybe in the future, some laboratories may allow for that, like perhaps MCR labs. But like I said, at the moment, most people want to hold on to their data, which they're, they're private entities. That's 100% their decision. Um, but like I said, I'm, I think this is interesting, valuable data that consumers want to have. And so Canalytics is trying to basically connect those dots. And the way we see to do it is ask for the certificate because you're allowed to, parse it, and save and archive that data. Um, because you know once one consumer gets a COA parsed, then you know maybe a thousand other people also buy that product. So we can have that data readily available for a thousand people. Um, so that makes sense, Keegan. Thanks so much for explaining. Well, I am actually based in San Francisco as well, so I'd love to help out on this project you all are working on, especially on the pitching, business development, trying to monetize side of things, if you're open to it. Definitely. Let's keep the conversation going. Definitely, you know, definitely That'd we'll be want to be in touch with John. Um, and more, more this is a, a philosophy. A philosophy of mine is it's always nice to just meet people in person. And that is um, what we're referred to as the product subtype. And what the organ, what the the um, what are the regulatory like uh, metric in California, the regulatory platforms for coding this data. Um, they code largely by, by a product type, but it's a very high level, flower for inhaled, for example. When you hit processed cannabis, it's much more complex what the different product categories are. 
And I know um, we were involved, we are involved with nomenclature standardization in this area. Um, in 20, 2020, we had a nomenclature workshop at the Emerald Conference to try to start to standardize this. And we had some pretty major industry stakeholders, NIST, um, USP, uh, et cetera, participate. And we put out a white paper, but we were trying to standardize nomenclature for obvious reasons. And what we discovered is if we can like products sometimes, and right now with the raw, raw gardens corpus, we're dealing with diamonds and oil and concentrate and sauce, all these terms, and they're pretty non-standard. If we can create the corpus and do that, it's going to move all this forward. Same thing in the ingestible arena, gummies, lozenges, oils, tinctures, etc. Um, it would really help for lots of reasons to standardize this. And so I think by parsing COAs and looking at what the community, what the industry is using nomenclature-wise is a big leg up uh, to move this effort forward. And we have talked about using this data and actually having the next nomenclature workshop at Emerald in 2023. And here we would present and vote on this. So having parse COA product subtype would move us pretty far along. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I'd just like to piggyback on that and also answer a question that Hector had was, you know, would there ever be a way that, you know, COAs would be required to be parsed? And so essentially in most states, this lab result data, I believe, is flowing into the traceability system metric. So I don't think they're collecting every data point. But I believe they would be collecting the cannabinoids and the contaminants, such as the pesticides and residual solvents. So in some states, right, you could do like a, a Freedom of Information Act request. So I think there was an ambitious person who tried this in Ohio, um, and I think they got some of the lab result data there. But it's sort of once it's sort of the, the canalytics philosophy where Yes, it would be nice if, you know, say metric allowed the public to tap in and look at the lab results, but it's just, we can't really just wait around on that. Um, and kind of like what John was talking about with standardizing, it's, you know, we can't just wait around. So we're just going. So we'll just, you know, like I said, we'll, if we see a COA and we can think of a, a valuable reason to parse it, then we'll do just that. Um, and then basically, the more and more COAs we parse, the more and more analytes we'll come across. And then we will basically just standardize those. And then we can do it in an open manner. So, you know, we'll talk about it on Slack and have conversations, have meetups, shoot each other emails. And, you know, a lot of the these analytes are kind of standardized but you know some oddball may crop up um, some odd values will occur so we'll just kind of handle these as they arise um, but but that's sort of the the fun part about this project 
Cool. Well, what I had to share with you today was just how you can actually access this data. I've got an incredible amount of lag. Um, and so I know, John, you also were going to talk about product types. Would you maybe want to talk about product types? And then uh, if, if my lag gets a little better at the end, I can tell everybody how to get a hold of this data? Sure, if, um, you know, if the system will allow it. Um, I have a couple of uh, graphics, I guess I could show. Um, would let me make the point on, on some of what we've been doing. So let me try that. Please. So thank you all for just listening so attentively. And so now we can finally get to some visualizations. And so the idea is we've now unlocked about 2,500 of these certificates. And so we can now pass this off to some data scientists. And so John's the first data scientist here to take a stab at this data set. And so keep in mind, there's a lot of cleaning that's, that needs to be done, but that was inevitable. So this will be the first time I've really seen summary statistics of this new data set. So I've spent all my time wrangling and publishing and archiving. So I haven't even had time to do any analysis. So the fun part. So. Please take it away, John. I'd love to hear about what you found on, on your first pass here. And this is still a work in progress. There's still some cleaning up to do. Even Keegan doesn't know what some of the hiccups we're seeing. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm working around that. It's going to change a bit, but this likely will not change. So this is raw gardens. Um, this is about, what is it, 2,600, which uh, Keegan and Candace were able to pull together. And this is looking at this field that we've created called product subtype. These are all listed as concentrates by uh, metric or by the top level designation on the COA. But this speaks precisely to what we're talking about with, with product subtype. And you can see by and large, and we know this from uh, information from the manufacturer, that most of what they make are vape carts. And so that's what um, their largest category is. But they have others. And you can begin to see um, what, I don't quite know what the difference between um, you know, a, a sauce and a ready to use, uh refined live resin uh you could but anyway this is the first look at the distribution that comes out of this data set um another interesting and i ran to do this because it's what i really wanted to see was based on the terpene analysis what can we get in terms of a principal components approach? Um, so taking all the evaluable terpenes and running it in PCA analysis, which is a dimension reducing tool so that we can start to see how the products um, lay out in terpene dimension. We get um, a pattern. Um, 
And I mean, this is, I've never seen a pattern for concentrates before. So this is new for me. I'm very familiar with what this looks like for flour. And for flour, um, you basically get a check mark pattern like this. It's turned often in the other dimension. Um, but anyway, this is quite interesting. And when, what you can do is you can run a loading plot. That's what the software that I do has. And so it starts to tease out what terpenes are responsible for moving this in one direction or the other. This is called a loading plot, and it's what is putting the load to move these products in one dimension or another. Um, this is not a valid data set yet because we have still um, problems with the scale of the numbers. Some of the analytes are recorded in percent, and we've been diligent about that. Some are still being recorded as um, milligrams per gram. And if you're familiar with cannabis analytics, it's a factor of 10 difference, but it can make a large difference. You've got to have that all standardized. So Keegan, that's still something we have to fix. This data set is not clean yet with respect to um, whether it's all percent or all milligrams per gram. I know. In fact, I looked at the first observation, and the first observation has total CBD of, I think, 106. Um, and so, obviously, that must be in milligrams per gram. Um, so, yeah, yes, so it's things like that. Um, we'll so, but we can do some pretty cool things. Um, you Here, I've just selected um, the ready to use class, and you see it aligns with one of the arms in that PCA plot, but not another. And if you um, if you take the um, the sauce, it gives you another set. And when you take these two together, whoops, you start to recapitulate what their entire product line means or shows. So that's kind of cool. Um, this is, Raw Gardens is, is in difficulty. They let go their entire R&D department um, and you know put their COAs out on the web. Um, so maybe there's information in this. I think there is in terms of product classes and classification that we can go back to raw gardens with perhaps some recommendations. So this is an example of what you can see. And I'm going to finish up then with one more. Um, what you can do And so their products have names, uh, I guess, you know, based on maybe strains that went into it or something like that. I don't quite know. But there's a large list here. Um, you know, there's over uh, 1,200 different names. But some of them are represented in large frequencies. For example, uh, Blue Dream, big surprise. So. 
um, you can select that blue dream. Here's another entry of it. And then you go back and you look where does that fall on the PCA. Um, are we seeing? Ah. Oh, <laughs> that's because it's none of it is that. And here you see of the entire corpus is shaded, but here's your blue dream. And um, it's, it's reasonably, but not rigorously consistent across their product line. There's drift in these. So it may be that raw gardens needs to be a little more attentive to uh, how they're controlling their batches and batch release. Let's look at one more. Uh, I noticed, so key lime seems to be a distinction. Here's key lime, and then there's another version of that. And we talked about consistency before. In fact, that was, I think, the number one. Actually, I don't. I think we looked at it with profitability. I'm not sure if it necessarily correlates that well. Or I think we looked at survivability. But I think, I mean, just this, from anecdotal evidence, yes, controlling consistency is important. Well, we, yeah, I mean, of course you want your users, if, you, if you're buying a particular product with a particular name, you want to come back in a couple of weeks and have it be the same thing. Here's their key line name designation. And it's much more scattered across the PCA space, the, the uh, score plot space. Um, it's all the, you know, it's the, everyone on this call's eyes are way better than mine, but you can see it's much more scattered. So again, the message I think to raw gardens is, and we're gonna show them this data because we have an in with folks at that group. Um, but it's like, maybe we can help you through some of this tighten up your <clears throat> your processes and control so um that's where i'm at um i can't go much further in interpreting this because we don't have the data normalized for all the same units but you can see some of the the beauty that can come out of a large collection of a coa scrape um <coughs> that we've got here i can piggyback on that if you want um, and then basically show you, okay, this is how you can now get this data, contribute if you wish, and load it in quickly for analysis. Real quick presentation, just hit on the third point today of basically we're just doing a real life gradient descent, right? We started somewhere, wasn't perfect, now we just continuously improve. So that's kind of what John was talking about where we just need to start cleaning up this data. So to do it in an open source manner, there's a new platform, Hugging Face, which is essentially just a GitHub for data sets. And so Candace and I have been working here to just compile this data set here. Um, so this is the, the raw, garden data here with you know all of its 
glories and imperfections. Um, so right there's the key lime cookies that John was talking about. So the data still needs to be cleaned up a lot, but the nice thing is we can essentially iterate on this. So for example, you know, I've been making pull requests, uh, you know, just to, you know, track the development of this. But, um, but I think, you know, well, a lot of thoughts come to mind, actually. One is, right, this is a relatively new platform. So I would encourage you all to go get signed up and give this data set a like, because in the relative scheme of things, there's not that many data sets published yet. And I think we may have some of the only cannabis data sets, um, but here, I'll, I'll let you explore more in your own time. But long story short is, you know, I think we could, you know, question? Question, comment? I would just say we may be able to uh, rise in the charts. I was just uh, seeing if that was the link. Oh, the link. Um, here, I'll put, uh, put it in the chat. Um, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm just sort of experimenting with this. Um, you know, originally, Canlytics was going to build out essentially a data market um, and like an open source repository to store data. But, you know, when you're doing a startup, right, the, one of the things people tell you is don't reinvent the wheel. So here's already a repository for open source data. And so just thought we could utilize it. And as I was going through the data sets, you know, a lot of them um, kind of have errors. Um, and so I just thought we could just start simple and then build up. So my bandwidth is limited since I'm, I'm streaming at the same time, but uh, I have this downloading in the background. So maybe, um, if not, I can just uh, read in the local copy, I suppose. But what's cool is you can now, you know, download this through Hugging Face. So, you know, in just, you know, well, I guess two lines of code, right? You'll need to read in the this function, load data set. You know, of course, you'll need to pip install data sets. And so that's a Python package published by Hugging Face. And so then the idea is you can now read in these cannabis tests. And as you can see, we only have one subset at the moment, raw garden. But as you know, we've compiled other data sets, other lab results. So basically what this is going to be is just, you know, one big repository, cannabis tests. And then we can have a bunch of different subsets. So we can have raw garden, we can have MCR labs, we can have SC labs, we can have PSI labs. And the idea is maybe the more and more labs that want to make their lab results public, you know, maybe that may encourage other labs to make their results public. 
or maybe we can find public lab results and parse them through certificates of analysis. So we can just keep growing and growing this data set. Um, you know, we can do it in a, a traceable manner. So that way, you know, people can tell when the data gets updated. I still need to learn more, but, you, you know, they may be able to pin their statistics to a specific version of the data. So essentially right now, we're just working with version 1.0.0 of the data. So the idea is we can actually version control our data. Um, so the main reason being is at the moment, people can now you know standardize their statistics. But anywho, um, I just kind of wanted to show this to, to you all because it, it's not much yet, but it could be. And so that's why I'd encourage you all to give it a like because you know maybe there's some other data scientists that discover this data. You know who knows? You know maybe some uh, professor uh, at a, a university discovers this data set um, and writes a paper. And you know next thing you know, uh, you could get cited in a, a top academic journal because, as I was saying, I mean there's only so much cannabis data we can actually benefit from the fact that a lot of professors can't actually get paid or they can't get grants to go wrangle cannabis data because I don't think you know they're giving out federal grants at least to, to study cannabis. So we've kind of got uh, an opening for us. Um, so anywho, um, those are just some of the, the thoughts. Any other thoughts, comments, questions? Does this look like a, an interesting thing, an interesting way to, to access the data for you? Okay. It looks like we have the data. We, uh, we don't uh, have the product subtypes uh, like uh, John does, um, but that's okay. We can still do some analysis here. So I'll just show you the data real quick, just to kind of show you, you know, what you'd get from Hugging Face and how you could go about using it, right? So first things first, right? We actually just read in this giant data set. Well, and it's not really, you know, giant, I suppose. So we've just got a really, really wide, fat, thick data set, but it's not necessarily like, big in the number of observations. Um, and so, you know, I was looking up the technical definition of big data. Um, and technically, you know, if, you know, you have many, many fields, it, you know, you can start to look, look like big data. Um, so I should probably not even talk about big data since, since Pooch is with us. But, but anywho, we've got, you know, 2,600 observations here. Um, and let's count how many uh, fields there are. Um, I think we could just actually just kind of cheat real quick. Uh, 98. So we have almost almost 100 fields, you know, times 2,600, you know, that's starting to look, you know, right? So if you actually like count like the unique number 
of data points. You know, it's starting to it's starting to get up there. And keep in mind, remember what our our results look like. So, for example, if you just want to look at a particular observation, I think you can just look at the first observation here. But remember, we had this giant set of results. Um, and so this is going to be a big JSON object. Um, so we can uh, um, turn this into a dictionary. So you use the JSON package. We'll just read this in as a dictionary. And right, I mean, so we already have, you know, 250,000 data points, but now we unwrap this and um, write each one of these results. Um, I'll just show you one of them. Right, so each result has one, two, three you know seven or so seven or so more observations so now um so that's seven times uh right how how many results do we have just for the first observation so we have you know 158 results for the first observation um so that's you know 158 or times seven, you know, times the 261 or so thousand we had. Um, and, you know, now we're starting to look, look like we have, you know, a lot, you know, now we have perhaps, you know, 288 million data points. So, so think about that, right? We've got just over 2,000 lab results. And I mean, this is a, this is a little ad hoc math here. Um, and we have some, some bad numbers. Uh, so a little ad hoc uh, math there. Um, but potentially million, millions of data points. So, so that's why I, I sort of want to unleash this data set on you because you know who knows what what clever what clever statistics you you may come by out of this, um, and just to just go ahead and just just make a graph right. Um, so right, so this is how I start looking at the data. Um, you know, essentially, I I just whoops. So so this one has numeric in it um this is when i already plotted so this is the one i already plotted earlier today um but you know we've sort of done the the wrangling now it's sort of time to actually analyze these so that's sort of you know that's basically what i had started cooking up for you today was and this was the specific question of the by the scientists at MCR labs is what is sort of the national average THC? Um, 
And so we can begin to start to answer some of these questions. And so in particular, the scientists at NCR Labs wanted to know, how does their average THC compare to the national average? And so we can actually answer that question for them, right? And so and this is why I was saying they're, they're in need of data scientists, right? That they have a demand for that statistic. And they may not have necessarily valued it yet. So they, you know, you may have to kind of negotiate with them to get, you know, get some money out of them. But they do have a demand for it. Um, they've explicitly said so. Um, and the reason being is they want to know if they're doing good science, right? So go collect, we, right? We already have them collected, but partition them, right? Look at MCR Labs concentrates look at these concentrates in California and, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe some of these compounds are different, right? Um, and, you know, these are things that NCR labs, you know, I mean, they could pay you big bucks if you think of something like really, really novel. Um, and so really novel for them, right? So if you've if you identify a terpene and maybe they're just fundamentally measuring it wrong, um, or maybe they they just systematically have non-detects and you notice this is a really prevalent terpene in California, you know, you may want to reach out to them and they may realize like, oh, hey, like, thank you. Like that, that's actually going to help our terpene method. Um, so thank you for that. So, so anywho, um, as you can see, there's a bunch of non-numeric um, values in here. Um, but uh, we still have like maybe five or so minutes or more left. So if anyone wants to see any particular chart, feel free to shout it out and I'll do my best to code it up real quick. Um, but um, but if not, then I may need to, to pass this data set on to, to all of you. To, to have at it. Any thoughts, comments, questions about a graph that we may want to, to plot? I'll just check the chat real quick. Okay, well, just, just for fun, since we've got five minutes left, um, why don't we just do a uh, a quick scatter plot of just some of the, the terpenes, right? And this will just be a quick exercise real quick of how we can uh, handle some of these numeric ones. Okay, so, right, so let's look at, at some of our favorite terpenes, right? So we've got um, the beta-pinene. So let's just see real quick if this one may already be numeric, if not. I think you're going to run into your scale problems on these at the moment, though. Some are, as I said, some are percent and some are uh, milligrams per gram. Oh, I see here. Okay, so, so let's just go ahead and create a quick subset here. So we'll just say, okay, Let's just get all the values 
Um, and we basically want, you know, all the values where some certain terpene, you know, you have the lowest values coded pretty low. So we can say, okay, we just want everything greater than that. And we also want everything, you know, less than 100%. Um, right. um, so let's basically real quick, right, what, what we want to look at delimiting. Um, and let's see if we can also look at beta pine. Um, no promises this is going to work, but it would be awesome if it does. Okay. So, um, um, well, I'm just going to do some ad hoc coding. If any of you know off the top of your head how to turn these to numeric, then please let me know. So basically, I'm just going to try um, to say, Okay, we just want um, to turn these to numeric, and I wonder if we can coerce them. I want to do this. Um, and, oops. oh no, my code. Okay, so that may have just done the trick. Uh, <laughs> so that'd be funny if it does. Okay, so um, like I said, uh, bear, bear with me. You know, if, if you find the coding fun, then um, basically what I like to say is, uh, and you know, take make of it what you will, but basically, I think I'm far, 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 far from uh, one of your greatest, uh, or even far from your mediocre coder. But I just tell people, I just kind of just keep banging my head against the wall. Um, and then eventually things just happen. Um, eventually I just bang my head against the wall until I bust through the wall. Um, so that's sort of what I would encourage you to do with coding. Of course, ask people, right? Um, ask the internet. Uh, go to Stack Overflow, ask your best friends, you know, post on Slack um, when you don't understand something, but just just keep tinkering with it. That's, um, you know, the only thing I've really found. I uh, just, and uh, if it doesn't work today, you know, sleep on it um, and come back and uh, you know, try, try, try again. Um, well, let's actually just look at our subset, right? Ooh. So we're so there's as I said, you know, this this is I mean this is just what I in the, I don't want to spend too much of your time here, so I'll start wrapping up. But this is kind of where I'll, I'll pass it off to you in, in that, okay. Um, and, and like I said, back 
next week we'll kind of maybe get back to some rigorous statistics or data science. But today the, the idea was data accessibility. Um, and so the idea is, okay, you can now access the data from Hugging Face. It's, it's not super simple, but I kept it as simple as I could. And you're just going to get raw garden details. And we can make it more complex as things go. We can add more labs and sources of COAs or lab result data. And as you can see, there's a lot of cleaning that needs to be done, right? So on your first pass, you know, this is what you get, right? There's values greater than 100. Um, and this is why I always say, right, you kind of want to look at outliers and make sure the outliers are rational um, or if they're irrational, right? These ones, they're greater than 100, you know, they need to be addressed. Um, so we, you know, sort of began to do that here, right? So we just said, oh, right, just eliminate everything below our cutoff and above, you know, our upper, our upper threshold, the 100. And now we get, you know, a bit more reasonable of a chart here. But, you know, this is just, you know, this iteration one of a thousand or one of 10,000. Right. And so, right, there is going to be a lot more cleaning to be done and, you know, a lot more visualizations to be made and hopefully a lot more statistics to be calculated. But this is basically, you know, the, the very, very beginning. Right. So we've sort of gone full circle. Right. We basically started with get data. Then we just did everything we could to the data, curate, augment, archive, analyze you know, research, really everything. And now we're back to, you know, get data. So here's a brand new data set. You know, now sort of the, the sky's the limit, right? You know, John's already off to the races thinking about ways to monetize this. And like I said, um, you can think of ways to monetize it. You can think of ways to write research papers. Um, you can just study it for fun, right? You can find more labs. Um, so uh, there could be there could be some great discoveries here. So I think I'll kind of leave it there. And next week we'll we'll look at this in depth. So today, my apologies that it was sort of brief, but like I said, I spent most of my time just trying to get this data published to Hugging Face. But I'd encourage you to go check that out. Um, because everything all the way down to the, the, this loading script here is open source. So you can even use this, um, if you want to publish your own data sets. So, so that's, that's where things stand with Canlytics and the cannabis data science, you know, work so far. So let's just keep at it, keep adding these canvas tests and then um I'll, I'll be eagerly awaiting to see some of the cool statistics that that you're able to calculate hopefully there's a lot more cool things to come oh, sorry oh no, please please basically now is the time for thoughts comments questions so what, what were your thoughts candace
Well, that's just amazing. I am so excited about this data. And also too, John, your charts are really great. You know, I really lo love that loading chart and, uh, you know, pat pattern matching is pretty cool. So uh, this is going to be really great. And yeah, Keegan, you work so hard too. I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Thanks. It's, well, it's, thank it's, you for your effort as well. And we still have a little bit to do to clean things up to the point where we don't run into the wall, but we're making some progress. That's for sure. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, we could use uh, Charles Rice's uh, uh, Spacey code to uh, get the, uh, you know, uh, grams, milligrams out of the product names, right? And we can uh, should be able to uh, straighten that out pretty easily. It worked really well with the Washington State data set, and that was a big test because that what was that 256 gig worth of <laughs> data to test, right? So, yeah. Well, Candace, the issue, is, I don't know what caused it, but in this set, um, there was a decision to suck up the percent data, but sometimes it looks like it sucks up the milligrams per gram data, and that just has to be standardized somehow. Right. And I don't know why that's happening. That's something we can discuss offline. Is one of the parsing algorithms, one of them just uh, one of the COAs, it's in milligrams per gram, and I'm trying to convert, and I think I may have just missed a field. I may just be missing CBD, but um, actually, I think maybe some of the terpenes, too. But terpenes are awesome. Oh, I can tell you which ones are, are um, I mean, well, the, yeah, there's a couple of things, but like we, like I said to you yesterday, there was making everything numeric um so i think there's workarounds for that but then we have this units problem we have to standardize to get this really to go exactly and we'll do this and what's cool is we'll make our code commits on github and we'll push our data to hugging face and so that way it's nice and versioned so if for some reason you chose to use version one do your own data cleaning do your statistics well you can just always use version one or you can wait for version 1.0.1 and we'll have cleaned up some of these columns and values for you and then you can use that data set and then you can comfortably pin your statistics there and then you know uh eagerly wait uh the next version so so yeah so long story short is i, I think it's going to be a cool promising tool but we'll just have to just gradually build it up but that's that was sort of the you know the whole idea behind the presentation today is right continuously improve so we'll just continuously improve the lab results we do have we'll continuously improve the data set by adding more and more observations and hopefully you can continuously improve the world and cannabis data science by using statistics so thank you all thank you thank you thank you and and yes candace asked about can you use dummy variables you can use well that's what i was thinking we could uh when we train the data right uh when we clean it we'll probably want to uh get everything numeric right maybe yes and you're essentially you're thinking um tidy verse style where exactly 
will want to tidy the data the data up. So everyone be thinking about thinking about that, right? So there's there's probably you know brilliant ways to clean up the data. And as we showed with the reports effects data, simply cleaning up the data can unlock tons of use cases. So you know let, let's just keep at it. Yeah, well, just make sure what's supposed to be numeric is numeric, but there's a number of fields that are character and need to be character. So it's not one size fits all, right? Yeah, I guess I was just thinking about like with TensorFlow, right? I, uh, you know, everything has to be uh, in numbers, right? For uh, vectors and um, matrices and, uh, but uh, right, we're not necessarily using TensorFlow here and uh, yet, so never mind. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, th there are fields that are definitely character, like, you know, product subtype is definitely a character field. Um, other fields are, you know, the um, analyte results are numeric, and that's been one of the things we've been dealing with. The group, you know, realized that COAs come in mixed numeric and character because labs put lots of nomenclature like less than LOQ or not detectable or missing or something. And that throws everything into a cock cat because it ends up rendering that whole field character when it should be numeric. And so that's what I've been harping on Keegan over the last week or so to let's make sure that doesn't happen because it, it it kind of short circuits you. Exactly. Yeah. This is one thing that the Hugging Face tool will be useful for because Hugging Face, kind of like TensorFlow, in fact, they're very similar, right? They're both designed for right, machine learning models, right? And so they want these, they call them features. You know, we're, we're used to calling them columns or variables. Fields or whatever, yeah. Fields. They want them standardized, right? So are they strings? Are they you know, floating numbers, um, or they, you know, and hugging face, they call them sequences, which are in Python lists. So long story short is we need to be real explicit about these data types because this will allow mm -hmm. the data to be more accessible, for example, to people like John. Thank you, Hector. And so that's sort of the, yeah, the, the grand theme of the day is data accessibility. And it, in our case, it just comes down to data types. And so, you know, Python allows us to get by with these mixed types. Um, so like, you know, it's okay. We just have to be more stringent from here on out. So we can, you know, work on cleaning, standardizing the data, and it's just going to make it more accessible. Well, on that note, we've got our work cut out for us. So just want to thank you all for coming. Thank you for helping advance cannabis science. And let's keep at it and rendezvous again next week. And we'll have a bunch of cool statistics to calculate.